0: Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Natalie, and we are here for the Wizard of Oz discussion. And I am joined, as always, by Angel and Polly. Angel, how are you doing? Hi, everybody. I am doing pretty well. Uh, Surprised that uh,
1: just this week I went from a 62-degree evening to an 85-degree day. And then the next day when I went to get in my car at the end of the school day yesterday, it was 101 degrees in oh. may i'm not ready Yuck. for that yet i'm just not no
0: No, that's a bit
2: much oh my weather is beautiful but i'm glad to still be here because a tornado passed 10 miles from my house a couple weeks ago that's because they <laughs> knew you were doing oz
0: I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't get swept away i don't think oz has wi-fi <laughs> no no they don't <laughs> So why don't you go ahead and get us started with the cultures
2: that this story developed in. Oh get me started. This is an American written fairy tale. L. Frank Baum wrote this while living in Chicago. He felt that the traditional fairy tales with their morals and their lessons were a thing of the past. He saw children getting their morality and social lessons from other aspects of daily life so he wanted to write a fairy tale purely for entertainment. And people like to get all in depth with the the metaphors and everything on Oz, but no, I think he did a pretty good job of just making it for entertainment, since his tales of Oz have been entertaining children and adults for nearly 123 years. In fact, it will be 123 years on May 17th. Nice. That
0: is impressive staying power. And here we are still discussing it. And I've read many of the books and I adore the world creation that he did.
1: I like sharing an almost birthday with Oz. I will be an undisclosed number of years old on May 15th.
0: Oh, happy almost birthday. (laughs) That would make it an unbirthday? Oh, wait, wrong story.
2: (laughs) All right, I'm not to that one yet. Three years after publication. It was released on Broadway as a mega hit, and Baum himself co-founded a movie production company for his books, releasing three films in 1914. Oz first showed up on the screen in 1910. Oz and the film medium were born at the same time, so it's natural that they would be joined at the hip. Even before MGM released the most well-known version in 1939 with Judy Garland, Oz already had nine other movies. To date, however, there are only 16 dramatic productions of Baum's works of Oz, Owing largely to the mammoth success of MGM's version, no one could compete, and so no one has. MGM secured that throne by airing their hit once a year at the holidays for 32 years straight. As a result, many people don't even know how the story ended in the book, and whole populations of Oz are erased. All in all, there are over a 100 published works, including Baum's Original 14 and a multitude of crossovers, including Supernatural.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have a
2: pick of Charlie,
0: autographed by Felicia Day, and most of the main Supernatural cast on my wall right now love the oz episodes sorry not sorry continue oh
2: that is awesome uh, <laughs> including supernatural and warehouse 13 both of which shows had episodes dealing with oz and phineas and ferb which made multiple references to the 1939 movies <laughs> the books have been banned in several states across the past century always a testament to the thought-provoking quality of a book.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that it will only get worse if we continue reading the series. This podcast might be banned because of my favorite character, Princess Ozma. Hashtag trans issues, but more on that later. Yeah.
1: You know, I am among the millions who knew nothing beyond the MGM musical. My first experience with the story having more to it than the movie was because my ex-husband had an old storybook version from when he was a child that I ended up reading out of for our kids when they were little. Um, But we didn't have the full collection. So to some degree, this is my first real exposure to the original series.
0: Nice. Nice. So welcome to the stories. You should at least read the second one. I think Ozma is in every book but two. So um, why don't we move on to
1: your favorite part? Okay, so this isn't exactly my favorite part. But the descriptions of Kansas and Dorothy's surroundings suddenly made me realize just how artistically genius the filmmaker's decision in the MGM version to start the movie in black and white and then have color explode as she opened the door to Oz really was. The descriptions were very heavy-handed with just how gray and dull her world was and how hard a life had, how the hard life had drained the land and the people of all joy and color.
2: Yeah, I love how the book talks about how in all the colors Dorothy was. Even though she was still a vibrant child with color of her own, she had grown up surrounded by gray people in a gray world. To be suddenly surrounded by colorful things was delightful. Yes. And the
0: descriptions just bring it to life in my brain. Angel is completely right. I think the movie did an excellent job switching from black and white to technicolor. The ruby slippers happened because they added to that effect. The silver slippers from the book just weren't stunning enough to showcase their new technology with all the popping color. (laughs)
1: <laughs> One of the things that really surprised me in the story was how long it was before the Wicked Witch of the West actually entered the story. You heard people talk about her, but it isn't until what, chapter 12, that she takes an active part in the story. I mean, in her first appearance, she lives up to the reputation, but if they had stayed out of her lands, she probably wouldn't have ever bothered with them.
2: I think my personal favorite character is the Queen of the Field Mice. She's so courageous and austere, despite being only a few inches long. Even when she can't help, she still has good suggestions.
0: (laughs) She is my favorite voice that you do. The mouse voices made me smile every time I listen. You
2: know what's funny? I don't really think about the voices I do. Like, the mice just came out that way. I tried to do the monkeys more, I don't know, monkeyish chattery, like, but by the, by the end, they turned into Chicago gangsters. They they kind of (laughs) took over the script. Monkeys. What do you do? One
1: of my favorite things about this story is, uh, his gift of tongue-in-cheek observations. The conversation between the Scarecrow and Dorothy about Kansas is an excellent example. When he is confused about why she would want to leave the beautiful land of Oz to go back to a gray and boring life, (laughs) she's so pompous in her, that is because you have no brains argument for why even a gray and dreary home is preferable just because it is home. His reply of, if your heads were stuffed with straw like mine, you would all live in beautiful places, and Kansas wouldn't have any people at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, that's probably pretty true. If people's <laughs> brains were built differently, they wouldn't stay within, like, what is it, a 50-mile radius of where they were born? I just can't comprehend that. Um, so what do you think the lessons were originally for this story?
2: Well, according to the foreword, Baum wanted to encourage children to delight in fantasy. All through the book, Dorothy has good fortune when she dives right into adventure, but in the end, she came back home, and that was where she really wanted to be.
0: Yeah, back to the dreary gray with people who were terrified of the laughter of children. But home is home, and family is
2: family, and no matter how frowny you make them. Oh, well, they came around. In her next adventure, Uncle Henry takes her on a cruise to Australia. But that's spoilers.
1: Spoilers. (laughs) Reading this and seeing more details, conversations, and interactions has reinforced what I always thought was the moral of the story. People are always wishing for qualities they don't realize they already have. They're quick to say, oh, I can't do blank. And then when they are too busy to let their self-doubt get in the way, they manage to do what needs to be done. Not just in the story, but in real life, too. Um, I always saw this in the story as a, we are our own
0: worst enemy sort of message. I mean, it's true. Humanity's always been into destroying ourselves in some way or another. Yeah. Yeah. We are our our own worst enemy. (laughs) It's it's very human. (laughs) So, So how do I transition this to modern lessons? Let's just jump
2: in. I'm afraid kids these days have forgotten fantasy somewhat. They need this. Their time is so structured and dictated by school and extracurriculars that they don't have time for talking lions and magic shoes. Son of a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has time for that. (laughs) My my own child was lamenting the fact that her friends didn't know she baked because she's been so busy with extracurriculars that she hasn't had time to bake cookies. My modern lesson would be to remember how to make believe. Mm, Remember fun. Yeah. It's all
0: curated for them now in in movies. Like movies are wonderful and a perfect medium to share one perspective of a story, but books take you into the world. I am still mad at him for going off on other projects instead of finishing Ice and Fire. Yeah, go ahead and kill another Stark since I mentioned it. But George R R Martin had a favorite point of mine. When he said, a reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. Hmm,
1: nice. I think the best lesson from the story is be a Toto. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> In every situation, Toto is always the bravest and boldest of the bunch. He never gives in to despair. He is perfectly happy to make the most of any situation so long as the person he loves is with him. No existential crisis, no unfulfilled longing, no self doubt, just a general attitude of life is such a fun adventure, but if you mess with me or mine, I will bite you. Toto
2: is so quintessential dog. Toto sees a lion attacking his mistress and he doesn't think to run away. No. The thought in his little dog head is no lion is going to attack my mistress. If this is how I die, this is how I die. Oh, he didn't okay. even think about dying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he thought he was going to win, and he was right.
1: I, I have to say, though, I did, I did see a little echo of of seven year old Angel in in Dorothy and Toto with the with the whole lion thing. Um, have, I, have I ever told you about the Brahma Bull? I think you have. Oh, do I think you
0: have? But please continue. <laughs> i'm sure our listeners haven't heard
1: (laughs) okay so so when i was when i was a little girl my daddy had gotten me a pony and it stayed at my grandparents farm and my grandfather for some i have no idea why he decided he wanted to breed a brahma bull to his dairy cows i i don't get it i don't know why but grandpa had gotten this massive brahma bull and it was out in the pasture, and my and my pony lived out with the cows in the pasture. And uh, we had gotten there for a visit, and I of course made a beeline straight out to the pasture to see my pony. Uh, and so I go through the barbed wire of the fence, and I'm in there. And just as I'm getting there, the Brahma bull decides to go after Beauty, my my pony. Um, horns for. Her. And he almost got like her rump with his horn, mm-hmm. and and I was furious. How dare he attack my pony? And so I'm running, and I grab this stick, big stick to me, seven year old girl. I don't know how big the stick was, but big old stick. And I go running up, and I, bam, brought the stick down on the back of the Brahma bull to like leave my pony alone. Don't. <laughs> so, Attacking the, the bull that's going after my pony and the bull stops and turns around and like sh- looks at me. I, I can't, I can only imagine what the bull was thinking this little cat <laughs> attacking it. Um, the p- pony goes running into the woods and I'm like, yay, pony got away. And then the bull like shakes its head at me. And I was like, I'm just so furious. And I'm like, I bring the stick down straight between its, eyes right between the horns and the eyes i'm just leave my booty alone bam and the bull kind of shakes its head and takes a step back and i don't back off man i am going after that bull (laughs) i just keep bringing that stick down between its eyes and the bull just keeps like blinking and shaking its head and taking a step back and and now i know it was probably just trying to get a couple of steps because it was going to mow me over if I would just stop hitting it between the (laughs) eyes. And I hear in the distance from far away I hear my mother's voice shrieking Sonny! The baby! (laughs) That poor bull was so confused. (laughs) Next thing I know my father is leaping over the fence. (laughs) (laughs) runs throws me over the fence <laughs> i don't know how he got out of the fence before the bull caught him i just don't daddy was a superhero
0: <laughs> oh. but yeah that's, yeah, that's a great story it's a fantastic story um so i'm gonna actually let us end on that because oz I can't do our normal, what do you think happened after the story? Because there are so many books in the series that people can just read and find out. And we might actually be reading more of them in the future because they're just, it's an amazing world. So we can't do that. So I think we're just going to end on Angel's amazing story of her battle of the bull. <laughs> I've spent my whole life battling against the bull. Yeah. And and you still don't, you still don't stand down. Like you stand your ground like that. Still, I've seen it. I've seen it in the most unlikely of places, (laughs) DragonCon. That's a different topic for a different day. So, Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing.